Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to see your beautiful faces in this beautiful autumn day. What a great week to have Missions Emphasis Week, amen? Isn't this awesome? Um, just really brightens our spirits to be able to, you know, as much as it, and we look outside and we see God's beautiful creation and the leaves and realize, wow, you know, and just hearing, you know, even starting today and throughout this week, that our hearts will just be open to also behold the beautiful things that God is doing in the world. And this is just the beginning. Um, you know, I love hearing, you know, from our international students and just hearing um, their, their hearts and being provoked and challenged. And throughout this week, it's, it's our uh, prayer for you, for all of us, that we will really be stirred. And as you've seen, that's our theme for this week, right? Be stirred. Can everybody say be stirred? Be stirred. Are you ready to be stirred this week? to get things stirred up in your heart, to let God come in and reorganize things and rearrange priorities uh, in, in your lives. Um, this is really, oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> um, an amazing privilege uh, that we have just together. Um, many of you have not, I don't know if any of you, or I think most of you have met Stephanie, <laughs> but this is my lovely, beautiful wife, Stephanie Slisher. Um, so I'm very uh, delighted that we have this opportunity and privilege to share with you together, um, to share our hearts. Um, as uh, Dr. Case uh, mentioned, you know, we, we spent, you know, from 2002 to 2018, you know, serving in Central Asia and East Asia, um, focused on reaching an unreached Muslim people group. Uh, and then in 2018, you know, we had... On, for reasons not in our choosing, the government's choosing, we had no choice but to come back. But I, let me tell you, it is um, just the, the I, we count it a privilege to be able to be serving here at Elam. Um, our hearts, yes, our hearts continue to burn for the nations and to burn for the unreached. But you know, the best way that we can see how we can continue serving the Lord is to prepare the next generation. And that's why I want to let you know, it is a privilege to be here and to get to be with you and to see God uh, launching you out into your purposes. Um, so I'll just let Stephanie start here. Right. So yes, I'm just so pleased to be here with Matt. Um, it is a privilege to serve at Elam. And even though you don't see me often, I just want you to know that I feel like everything that, um, that Matt does here, teaching and leading student ministries, I feel like it's an extension of our ministry for the Lord together. Um, and I'm just always excited when I hear about new things that are happening here at Elam through Matt, and I feel like I'm a part of it too. Um, when Matt came to me and told me um, what the theme was for this Missions Emphasis Week, to be stirred, um, it got me to thinking about how we need to position ourselves to be stirred. So we decided to kind of, the theme of this message is positioned to be stirred. You know, there's a lot of things that can grab our attention in this world. You know, social media has so much going on. It can be such a distraction. Um, friends, fun activities, all can be distractions. We really need, if we're, if the Lord's really going to have our heart, we need to be positioned to be stirred. Have you ever listened to, you know, gone to church, listened to a message, and you've walked out of that message, and you've just felt uplifted, excited, felt like the Lord really met you, and then your friend walks out and says, hey, let's just go get pizza. And you realize you were stirred, but that person wasn't stirred. 
Why was it? Because you were in a position to be stirred by what the Lord was saying. That same message can either stir someone or it can just go right over your head. The Lord really wants our hearts. He wants our hearts. Um, I'm so glad we sang the song about, you know, his, you know, his compassion is our commission. I was just thinking this morning about how when Jesus fed the multitude, what did he do? He looked out at the multitude and he felt compassion for them. His heart was stirred by the Father, by the need around him. We need to have our hearts stirred and we need to position ourselves to be stirred, to be available to him. Um, I'll just tell you just a little bit about ourselves. Um, I grew up in a ministry home, and I was constantly exposed to, to ministries and missionaries and really was just blessed that I was in a place where I could be, even from a young age, stirred by what the Lord was doing, not only here in America but around the world. Um, but as I got older... I had to make that decision. Uh, am I going to act on these stirrings in my heart, or am I going to just let it go over my head and pursue the next best great thing? After um, Matt and I married, um, we both felt that the Lord was calling us to missions. We both felt that stirring, right? We came to Elam because we felt the Lord was stirring us to something, but we didn't know what it was, so we had to position ourselves to be stirred. There were just some practical things we did to position ourselves. We started to feel like we were called to Central Asia. So what should we do? We should find out more about Central Asia. We should find out about the people who, who live there. We should find out about the need. Matt, even before we were married, began actively forming, um, you know, he, he would um, communicate with different workers who were serving in Central Asia and um, not only read their newsletters, but answer them back. You know, back before email, he was even snail mailing um, these, these workers. And so we were positioning ourselves saying, we feel like the Father is calling us to something. Our hearts are being stirred, and now um, we're going to give him more opportunity to keep stirring our hearts. Um, as we were praying for that region of the world and actively looking for, for those that we could support, we decided we should move from just supporting with our prayers and our letters, but we should put skin in the game, right? So even though we, uh, Matt was still in college, I was working, and um, we didn't have tons of resources, but we decided we're going to commit resources to this. If this is what Father is stirring our hearts about, we're going to commit resources to it. And do you know when we started writing checks, boy, were we invested. Boy, did we care to hear those letters. Boy, did we care to get on our knees. So let the Lord stir your hearts for something and then take the next step. Um, as we were positioning ourselves and um, letting the Lord stir us, um, it brought us closer together as a couple because we started to get excited to realize that the things that were on my heart were the same things that were on his heart, and together we could walk um, serving the Lord together. You know, God's always going to be challenging you and stirring you in new ways. It doesn't stop here. So why don't you get used now 
to being stirred. Um, I'll you know, tell you, we were in one, we were in Kazakhstan for I think like seven years when uh, the Father began to stir our hearts to move to a new place. And I remember feeling, I don't want to go. I like my home. I like what we're doing here. I feel like we're impacting people here. But again, there was that stirring to something new. So um, it doesn't stop, right? As you give a little bit of your, your heart to the Lord to be stirred, he's going to keep giving you new and greater things. Um, so you might be comfortable and happy right where you are now. So be prepared. If, if you're going to be stirred, right, it might get uncomfortable. It doesn't always feel good. Being stirred means that we're not going to be able to do life the way we necessarily thought we were going to be able to do life. Are you ready this week to be stirred? Are you ready to be shaken a little bit? Are you, um, are you willing? Ask yourself this week, too, what are you doing to position yourself to be available to the Holy Spirit for his stirring and his direction and his purposes in your life. So many of you have taken a huge step. I know that you're here at Bible school because you felt the Lord stirring you to something. So now just be open. Be open this week to what the Lord's calling you to do. Be willing to be stirred. That's Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Stephanie. And, um, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, what, when Jesus came to his disciples, right, we have the account in Matthew chapter, uh, yeah, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. So Jesus says these words as he's calling out his first disciples. His first two words were what? But, wait, say it. Two words, what were they? I heard it. Follow me, yes. <laughs> follow me. Everybody say, follow me. Follow me. All right. Well, that was a little weak. Can we say it again? Follow me, right? So God, Jesus comes at the beginning of his ministry, and, he's, uh, and he, he finds these disciples. They were busy, right? They were already busy with what they were used to. What were they? They were, they were fishermen. They were used to casting out their nets. They were, that's what they knew. That's what they thought that they were skilled for. And maybe they thought, this is what I'm made of, and this is what I'm made for, and this is all what I'm about. And then Jesus intersects them. Jesus stirs things up. He enters into their reality, into their ideas. And with two simple words, he says, hey, follow me. And maybe it, it's, it can be easy to kind of think of that in terms, you know, very abstractly, right, or conceptually. Oh, you know, we'll follow your teachings. Okay, great. You know, yeah, we'll follow you in our hearts. And, you know, we'll, you know, we'll take what you have to say seriously. And, but no, the real word in, in, in the Greek, it's the imperative, right? Really, he, in other words, follow me meant he expected them to do something physical, um, in this case, you know, and we'll get to this in a little bit, but they dropped their nets, right? And they ran after Jesus. It was literally, come here after me, right? That's what it literally means. Come here, change your position, and come here and follow me. Take an action and do something. And 
they didn't wait, right? They didn't say, well, Jesus, you want to show us your business plan? You want to show us your, you know, we have things kind of worked out, you know, here and how our life should go. You know, let's see what you got to offer. Let's, you know, let's see what you're bringing to the table. No, it was just simply follow me. That's it. And in order to follow someone, right, we have to have a sense in which, you know, we unconditionally trust the one who is leading, right? And Jesus is worthy of following. Amen. John 10, 5, Jesus compares himself to a good shepherd, right? And he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus has laid down his life for you. You can trust him. He is trustworthy. How many of you would follow somebody that you didn't trust? No. Jesus, you can trust him. If Jesus, who laid down his life for you, and the Bible also says, he who, he who gave his own life did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things, right? Jesus can be trusted when he says, come here after me. We can trust him. It also involves, when we follow, it implies we're recentering and reorienting our life around Jesus, right? How many of you know that song, Jesus be the center, right? Jesus be the center, I love that song. And we sing that, right? And so if I'm following Jesus and I'm following someone in order, so if I'm following Josh, for instance, either of you Joshes, anyway, you know, <laughs> I won't make you do anything. It's okay. But if I say, you know, I'm going to follow you, Josh, and so I start following you and I have you dead center and I keep you in this, and I start to get distracted a little bit and I'm like, oh, you know, Josiah looks like he might have a better plan over there where he's going, and I start veering off a little bit. And so what happens to Josh? Josh keeps going, and then I start going this way, and then where's Josh now? He's not in the center. <laughs> and so I think what we tend to do sometimes as Christians, we start out that way. We get a little distracted, or, you know, we're you know, trying to figure things out. Maybe we lose trust, and Jesus isn't at the center anymore. And we say, Jesus, can you move over here a little bit into the center of my direction? into the center of where I want to go, that's not how it works. When Jesus says, follow me, wherever, if we're finding ourselves in a place where Jesus is not quite in the center, what do we have to do? We move. We have to realize we're the ones that got off track. And we say, Jesus, where are you? Jesus, where are you going? And, and that way we recenter and we reposition ourselves so that he is at the center. It's what he loves that is at the center of our lives, what he cares for. Because Jesus loves you more than you love yourself. Amen? He, his purpose is for you. He wants the best for you more than you can possibly imagine. So it's worth it. He is trustworthy. You can trust him. It also implies movement, right? When we follow somebody, we don't just stand still, right? It's like, okay, I'll follow you with my eyes. Okay, I'm kind of seeing where you're going, right? And just kind of having a general idea. No, he is moving. So the implication at the very beginning when Jesus calls out his disciples to follow him, the implication is that you're going to go where I go. Guess what? You are going to what? Go. Where I lead, you are going to follow. You are going to be with me right by my side. Every miracle I do, every person's life that I touch, you're going to be right there with me as I do this. He calls us to follow, to make movement. Right? So Jesus is moving forward. You know, and Jesus said, I always do the will of my Father. We're following Jesus, right, in the sense that he demonstrated for us, right? And he says, as, watch me as I do the will of my Father. As, and he also says in John 20, 21, right, he says, as the Father has sent me, I send you. 
So it's implied as you're following Jesus, guess what? Guess what? You're being sent because you're going where Jesus is going. And if Jesus has a heart for the nations, if God loves the nations so much that he would send his son to die for them, for the unreached, if you're following Jesus, it's not a question, right? That's his heart. That's where he is going. If you're following Jesus, that is a trajectory of your life in whatever form that takes. We are called to have his heart. We're, so, you know, growing up, you know, as four, with four daughters, we love, you know, or they and I've grown to love, the Disney movies, right? <laughs> and there's always the, you know, the princess movies. And what is the refrain, right? Oh, you have to what? Follow your heart, you know, follow, you know. And I always tell my daughters when they watch, watch that, no, don't follow your heart. <laughs> heart is bad. Your heart is deceitful. Don't follow your heart. <laughs> don't go after Prince Charming. Don't do that. Um, but Jesus wants us to follow his heart. We follow God's heart. Right? It says in Matthew 9, in, in, an example of what is on God's heart. Matthew 9, 35 to 38, right? He saw the crowds that they were distressed and helpless, right? And he had compassion. We heard it this morning, right? He had compassion on them. Like sheep, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And John 4:35, when he's ministering to the Samaritan woman at the well, and the people start coming out, and she said, Come see a man that told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? And the disciples catch up to what Jesus is doing, like we often do sometimes, right? We're like, oh, we got to catch up. We got to reposition ourselves. And Jesus says, Look into the fields, they are ripe for harvest. This is the food that the Father has given me to eat. This is what I am made for. So as we follow him, you're committing to following Jesus on mission. Everybody say that, on mission. You are on mission. That is not a choice. (laughs) When you follow Jesus as a disciple, you are on his mission with him. It's only a matter of the details of where that is and what your assignment is. But that is your mission. It's God's mission. Um, Okay. Okay, I guess I'll do this part too. <laughs> um, so the next part um, we have here, and going back to Matthew chapter 4, um, the next thing he says, he says, follow me, and his next words were, I will make you. Everybody say, I will make you. I will make you. Or, or you could say, I will form you, right? I will make you. So he makes us and forms us into the image of his son. Amen. That's what it says in Galatians 4.23. Paul says, until Christ is formed in you. When Jesus called his disciples, it was first, it said he called them that they would what? Be with him. And that he would send them out. So he's calling you first and foremost to be with him. So as you're with Jesus, he forms you and he makes you. It's been, maybe some of you have heard this before. It's been said, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Amen. God does not call the skilled, the qualified, and those who have it all together. He calls the obedient. Many are called, but few are chosen. You know why? Because not all obey. Not all position themselves to say, I will follow. Once you make that decision, he begins that forming process in you as you stay with him. And he equips you in the following. It's all about Obedience. It's positioning yourself on the wheel, right? Like at the pot, the image of the potter, the clay on the wheel, and that the hands of the Lord of the harvest are on your life, shaping you and forming you for his purpose. As long as you are committed to stay on that wheel and not think, well, I got a better idea of my life. Trust me, God has the best 
plan for your life and how he wants to use you to fulfill his purposes. So, you know, it's not, you know, like when we look for a job, what do we write out when we look for a job? What do we, what is that called? A resume, right? How many of you ever written a resume? Right? So <laughs> that, that can be a little bit intimidating. You're writing your resume like, oh, you know, this is, you're feeling like you're presenting yourself and to somebody who doesn't know you, it can feel a little bit, okay, what are they going to think? So sometimes I think we approach it like that. We give, we give God our resume, right? Say, okay, God, here's what I think, I, how I can add value to your mission here, right? To, to your objectives, right? Here's, here are my skill sets. Here's what I got to offer. Here's my education. Here's what I, you know, here's what I made of Jesus. So, and I have a little time blocked off, you know, next year, next summer, and I can give you a couple months so I can tick the, I did missions box. So, you know, I'll give you that. So I just want to let you know how valuable I am, right? But God is, that's not what it is. When Jesus says to follow him, when he, he says, I will make you. We need to be willing to lay, put aside our res, the resume idea of following Jesus and say, I'm just going to follow you, Jesus. And guess what? You're going to, as I follow you and allow you to form yourself, you, the image of your son and me, he will form us and make us according to his purposes. So the way of, the Lord, the way of serving the Lord, it's a matter of obedience. That's it. It's as simple as that. Yeah, if, I think if you guys knew me, you would know that I'm, that we are the most unlikely people to go to another country and share about Jesus. We're both introverts. I just never imagined when I was a kid that I would be able to go to somebody, speak in another language, and tell them about Jesus. I always looked at my older sister, she can do that. She's equipped. I don't know how Matt felt, but I just felt totally under-equipped. My resume had nothing on it that would have equipped me for the call of God. The only thing on it that equipped me for the call of God was, here am I, use me, and oh, my heart burns for these people. We had been serving overseas for a good number of years, um, and I remember sitting in a coffee shop that was run by some dear missionary friends of ours, and we were sitting there having our whatever we were having. It was pie, I think. And Matt looked me in the eye, and he goes, these guys are really doing a great job. Do you see how hard they're working? What an impact they're having. We could never do this. Of all the business ideas, this is the one we will never do. <laughs> we really, I mean, everything he said was right. We really are not business people. I might like to bake cakes, but I'm really not a star baker, okay? Well, I'm <laughs> <laughs> well so fast forward a couple years, and we had some great business ideas, and certainly we needed a business to say, stay where we were, and we, we were passionate about staying where we were, about reaching the lost where we were, and we were like, yeah, God's equipped us to be here. We can do this. And then our local, a local brother said, have you ever thought about starting a coffee shop? Oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> thought about it and scratched it off a long time ago. But, you know, that brother just sitting there at my table 
eating my spaghetti, telling me, you know what an impact it can have? And if you run it, you're not somebody like me. People will come. Look at all your cute little girls. People will come just to see your little girls. <laughs> so we did it. We came back here to America. We raised some money. Matt got some business training, mostly reading books and talking to a lot of really smart people. I, um, I did a lot of baking. That was fun. Lots of YouTubing. And um, we went back and we, we did what we felt God was calling us to do, even though we really didn't, our resume didn't show that we would be able to do it. Do you know the season we spent planning and processing the paperwork for that business, it, it took a couple years actually to open the business. The season that we, spot, we spent doing that were, I would say, the greatest, most productive season of discipleship with the, there was a, a couple of local believers that we discipled during that time. And that was the most wonderful ministry season in our lives while we were processing the paperwork for that business. Once our business opened, people really did come to see my cute little girls. We were different, right? What's a real American coffee shop like, they wanted to know. They wanted to come to our English corner and talk English. And would you know, every single time a woman sat down to talk English with me, she'd say, how do you do it? Can you tell me about raising kids? And of course, the only really good advice I could give was from the word of God. And so that year that we had that open business, one of the um, local brothers, he said, you know what? This place has become a safe harbor for the community. During that year that we were open, the Chinese government cracked down on the minority people there. We were seeing people disappear, right? Um, local, our local contacts didn't want us to come to their house. That was too, you know, there's cameras everywhere. So if we came to their house, that would kind of target them as, um, yeah, kind of, that, that would target them for trouble. But people came to the coffee shop and they heard about Jesus at the coffee shop. We were not equipped for that business, but God used our, our available hearts and used that business for his kingdom so, you know, I have to say, every time I think about how we left, I start to cry. Because following him, acting on that stirring in our hearts, was also the cause of some of the greatest sacrifice and the greatest hurt. But in the end, even though we left that place of service, left that business on the altar... I know that we were fulfilling his purposes, and he has continued to be faithful to us. We still love those people, don't we, Matt? Yeah. Along those, what, what Stephanie was sharing about feeling the brokenness when we had to leave and wondering, God, what was this all for? What was that all about? 
And I remember actually something that Sister Sylvia said many years ago. <laughs> a lot of people remember things that Sister Sylvia says. <laughs> they stick with you. Um, I remember her giving a teaching, and I think it was a teaching about the woman who broke the alabaster jar at Jesus' feet. And the disciples like, why would you waste that? Why would you, you know, pour out that, all that huge, that crack that bottle of expensive perfume when that could have been given to the poor? And I remember these words, and I think they're verbatim. He said, worship is never a waste. Worship is never a waste. And when you commit to follow Jesus and to give up, position yourself, say, I'm going to give up my ideas of what I thought would be comfortable. Jesus, I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to be obedient. Wherever you lead, I will go. And however you say to do it, I will do it. And trusting you, that is worship. Worship is not just the singing and the songs and, and, and what we do. It's the beautiful experience of entering into God's presence. But that should provoke in us a great, a deeper desire to worship him with our obedience, giving our lives, knowing that it is never a waste. Amen? Worship is never a waste. I think of my parents who are here, Dan and Molly Slisher, who are sitting in the back there. If you can just give a little wave. Um, they're... Like, I think over 40 years ago, they obeyed and they followed Jesus. When I was just like seven years old, six, seven years old, we came, they came to this campus. And my father graduated from Elam Bible Institute at the time, before it was college. <laughs> and so their obedience is the reason why we are standing here today talking to you. Do you realize your, oh, your obedience, your commitment? By the way, they're celebrating their 50th anniversary in a couple of days. <laughs> Your obedience is not just for you. Your obedience impacts generations. You may not realize you, yet you, that the, the amount of sacrifice that you're going to make, God, I, I believe, will allow you to see fruitfulness from it. But don't underestimate the impact that you will make in the next generations who will stand on your shoulders and follow as you follow Jesus. That's what the Apostle Paul said, right? Follow me as I follow Christ. That's what it's all about. This is, missions is really about discipleship, right? That's what we're talking about here. Um, this, I, I love this, uh, this next part in, in that verse, right? We, you know, so as we're positioning ourselves to be stirred, you know, thinking of ourselves in the shoes of those, or sandals of those disciples, right? You hear, you're hearing Jesus saying, follow me and I will make you. What did he say that he would make them to be? Fishers of men and women. <laughs> Fishers of people, right? This is what it's all about. It's about people. It's not about the coffee shop. <laughs> it's not about the business. It's not about the, the thing that you're doing or you're preparing. It's about people. It's about reaching people. There, that's why at the end in Revelation, there's the vision at the end, right? It's every, people from every tongue, every tribe standing before the throne worshiping. That is our vision. It's investing in people. That is the most important thing. And so the, 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 the fourth point is that we have to recognize that as we're seeking our purpose, right? And I know that many of you are here, most of you, not all, are saying, God, what do you have for me, right? Have you prayed that? Lord, what is my purpose, Lowercase p, purpose. What do you have for me? But I want to encourage you that until you understand God's big, grand purpose, you won't really understand your little p purpose. 
right? You won't understand your individual purpose until you understand how your purpose fits into God's capital P purpose for his agenda. Amen? Um, I remember, I just want to connect in with something that Dr. A said at the beginning of the year. I don't know if you remember. I think it was at the first chapel. He said, don't be concerned with what you're made of. Ouch. Rather, be more concerned of what you are made for. Once you got that figured out, you know what you, who you are made for, <laughs> that what you are made of is just details. God, as he forms that in you, as you follow him, and you understand what you are made for, that what you are made of will follow. What are you made for? Isaiah 42, 6 through 7, right? He said, um, the, the prophet says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. So he's walking with us in our purpose, right? He says, I will take hold of your hand, and I will keep you, and I will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Doesn't that sound a little bit like what Jesus was doing with the disciples? Hey, come follow me. I want to. I, I will keep you, and I will make you to be a covenant for the people. That's essentially was what Jesus was saying to those disciples. He was putting himself into that same prophetic picture of God, the way God called forth his people Israel. He was calling his disciples to be part of God's big plan. So God's big purpose is that you are a catalyst for transformation. That's it. To see lives transformed, you are a catalyst for that. That is your big purpose. In whatever way that God is shaping you and molding you and equipping you, that is his call to you. Um, I think of it as, you know, how many of you have been to Niagara Falls, right? You've been there? Okay. Isn't that amazing? You see the, and it's more amazing on the, where's Lydia? Lydia, right? It's more, most amazing on the Canadian side, right? (laughs) Um, And us, we're kind of stuck in New York looking at the, you know, the ugly side. (laughs) But it's not, you know, but it's more beautiful on the Canadian side. So when, you know, COVID happened and we couldn't get across, that was really disappointing. <laughs> couldn't see the beautiful part. But, man, when you see the Niagara Falls, and I, and I envision, you know, like, a little, little kid, you know, the parents come, and they've never before in their life seen anything like a waterfall. And so, the, hey, we're going to go see Niagara Falls. Oh, great, that sounds wonderful. And so they hop in the car, they get out, Niagara Falls, and, and the kid jumps out of the car, and the kid sees a puddle on the ground. He starts jumping, jumping up and down in the puddle. Oh, mommy, daddy, look at this amazing little puddle here. This is amazing. I'm having so much fun. Oh, but look, there's so much more over here. If you could just come. No, I want to stay here. I want to play in the puddle. This is so much fun. And the parents are like, no, you got to come over. I want you to see this amazing view this, of God's creation. So I think a lot of times we're like that, right? We, we get fixated on our little puddles, our little purpose puddles, <laughs> You know, we think, oh, this is fun. And God's saying, I have so, he wants to lift up our eyes and say, I have so much more I want to show you. There's so much more for you, a bigger plan. Um, so once we know what we're made for, we submit to his forming hand in our lives. God reveals what we're made of. Amen? Yeah, so when God called his, or when Jesus called the disciples, and said, follow me, they immediately left their nets and followed him. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. I don't know what nets you guys got, but let him stir your hearts so that you will 
leave those nets and follow him. So your individual purpose that the Lord has for you is going to be different from your roommates. It's going to be different from every, everybody's got a different purpose and calling. Um, I think I'm still learning. I'm still learning not to compare what he's called me to to what he's called some others to. So some people are going to be called to an amazing speaking ministry behind a microphone. Some people are going to be called to, like our sister Beth Ann sitting there, she's called just to ministering to children. And I don't mean just to ministering to children. You should talk to her. If you haven't met Beth Ann, she's here today. You guys should make a point to talk to her. Um, she's had decades of ministry to children in need, giving, just showing the love of Jesus and the compassion of Jesus to the, the, the least and the lost. So don't compare yourself to others. Take time to see what the Lord is stirring your hearts for. What is God stirring your heart for? And then be willing to give up your nets and act on that. Think about what are some of the nets you need to drop. Um, some of the nets that I needed to drop was control over my future. Like, uh, if I drop this plan, what's going to happen? There's a lot of stories about people who weren't willing to drop that net, and they never got to go where God wanted to send them. Another net could be fear of what other people think, other people's opinions. Maybe our own ministry idols. <laughs> I thought ministry should look like this for me. I didn't think it should look like that. Worry about money. That holds some people back. I remember talking to one young man, and he said, I'll serve the Lord when I have provided a house and done this and done that. To my knowledge, he's never gone overseas. There's the fear of being unnoticed, the fear of being hidden away. That might be one of your nets. You know, lots of people are doing great service for the kingdom of God, and they'll never be noticed in this life. And then I think for young people, like all of you, one big net that might be that concern about, how will I find my future partner if I keep going in this direction that the Lord's stirring my heart for, how will I find somebody who's crazy enough to want to serve the Lord with me in that? Don't worry about that. <laughs> I found crazy, yeah. So we just really want to challenge you today to let your heart be stirred. If the Lord is leading you in a way Ask him, what are those nets I need to release to you right now? And then follow him and follow him.